Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. This is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to give you guys a break of levity in the middle of a busy week. We've been in ministry for quite a clip. Um, Hopefully, we've seen enough to add value. Yeah, we've all dealt with our own brokenness throughout this time, and we, we hope to dive into the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every youth minister has. So, let's go ahead and dive in. Matt, have you seen the movie God is Not Dead? Yes, yes, Chris. I think a lot of people have. Okay, well, I, I was at the movies the other day. I saw The Greatest Showman with my kids. Excellent movie, by the way. And uh, they had a trailer for God is Not Dead, the third one. Which Hold on, which kids did you take to the movie? Because that really like tells me how well you got to pay attention to the movie. Sure, sure. Uh, my oldest three. So, my, my 10-year-old, my 8-year-old, and my 6-year-old. Okay, there and, you go. Uh, and so, God is Not Dead 3, I think it was God is Not Dead we pinky swear this time, you know, like they promise, you know, that he's not dead. And, uh, and God is not dead. The first one, spoiler alert for the first movie. If you haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's about this kid who uh, goes off to college and he, uh, he runs into this atheist philosophy professor who's like, God is not, I mean, God is dead. And he's like, no, God is not dead. And he's like, I'm going to fail you. Um, and so then he loses his girlfriend. He might lose his scholarship. Like everything just kind of falls apart. And again, spoilers here, because that's just what you know in the trailer. Yep. By the end of the movie, there's a big Newsboys conference, concert, and uh, and they're they're there to sing their song. And uh, the professor, the atheist professor, is walking along and gets hit by a car and dies. Now, before we dive into our topic, I think it's important to kind of present a fan theory. The timeline in the movie isn't really clear because, you know, concerts and they, they were kind of going on simultaneously, but one of the kids was there. And he was also at the concert. So, I have this theory that the newsboys were actually driving the vehicle that was in the hit and run. <laughs> Come on, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, for all you uh, movie nerds out there, if you want to go review it again and see if there's a possibility that uh, th- they-, they were the ones who... Because there's no, there's no resolution. It's not like they're arresting someone for vehicular manslaughter at the end of the movie. Nope. They're just there yeah. with the professor and, praying and with hey, them. And, hey, they provided a space for encounter, right? Because yes. that's what Fierce. that's when he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> roaring, <laughs> roaring like a lion. Yes, yeah. to quote the song. So, um, no, no, but but to transition to our topic, I think that that movie, in a uh, in a glamorous way, does kind of speak to the reality of a ministry leader and the reality of uh, a disciple. And uh, there's sacrifice. The gospel has demands, and a lot of th- those times, those demands lead to a situation where we encounter loneliness, where we feel isolated because of the choices we make. And that's every teen that we've ever ministered to that has uh, had to change what they do on Friday nights has encountered kind of that loneliness. So, um, yeah. And that's what we're diving into today. We're diving into isolation and, and what it can feel like in ministry. I mean, we're not meant to be an island, but being in ministry, being ministry leaders sure can be lonely. And so we wanted to dive into that a bit. And it's such a serious topic that I actually, like Chris, I'm a little afraid of us being too serious all the time. And I know that the good thing is that you actually like make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, and so hopefully we're able to have fun while dealing with, you know, a, a very serious topic. So Chris, do you have any weird ways that you've dealt with loneliness? Well, yeah, actually, um, I, aside from listening to the Counting Crows, which is my favorite band <laughs> for, for those younger listeners out there, they're melancholy acoustic rock. And actually, uh, Adam, the lead singer of the band said that, uh, his loneliness is actually the catalyst for most of his, uh, his art. 
Um, and so I want I want to start out when we're talking about loneliness. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I think isolation. The devil divides. God seeks to unite, and um, and isolation can lead to loneliness. But not all loneliness is a bad thing. Jesus withdrew as well. Yep. Um, but but the weirdest way that I've dealt with loneliness is I, I had a hard time after a breakup uh, towards the end of my college career, and uh, the way I dealt with it was through eBay. And uh, I was collecting these cards. Um, Your rebound and, girl was eBay? <laughs> it, that's right. Yeah, eBay auctions like you would not believe. And uh, <laughs> I had a job in a computer lab, so I had time uh, just with a screen in front of me and just make sure that the, the printers aren't out of toner and things like that. And, uh, man, I collected every single garbage pail kid off of eBay <laughs> from the original 15 series. And for those of you who don't know what Garbage Pail Kids are, they're these irreverent satirical cards from the 80s that actually uh, Tops put out and they got shut down because they look so much like Cabbage Patch Kids. And uh, <clears throat> uh, I didn't know that. Well, Which this, one's your favorite one? Oh, my gosh. Oh, where to start? No, I would say, you know, <laughs> uh, Blasted Billy, which is the the B-side to Adam Bomb, um, which is the mm-hmm. the cover art card. Um, I like Blasted Billy is the name, and there's also a Blasted Billy 2, and that's a... Anyways, you can hit the Googles to find out what those look like, but they are irreverent. <laughs> um, one that uh, one that sticks out in my mind is is Pukey Patty, you know, and, and like there's, there's a lot of other ones kind of like that, but Patty was like this little baby just barfing all over the place. So anyway, yeah, I, like they're enjoyable, but like you said, they're kind of, uh, yeah, gross. It was it was it was a band aid, um, and so it was fun collecting them for a while. But uh, it was really I just needed something to pour myself back into because I felt so isolated um, by the, the fact that I had just had my heart broken through a, a difficult breakup or whatever. So, what about you, man? Any strange ways uh, that you've dealt with loneliness? You know, I, I, I like other than Minecraft. You know, in 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 not Minecraft, hello, uh, Minesweeper. You know, while I'm in the okay. youth ministry office, so like that's. I mean, that's. I think a lot of people deal with that or do that, but I don't know if that's dealing with loneliness. That's maybe boredom or trying to like fill the hours in the seat that I'm supposed to be there. Sure, sure, good. Well, so let's let's dive into the topic a little bit. Um, in in ministry, uh, there's times where you have a vision that's different than the vision that others have, and uh, and a lot of times. That those differences, those distinctions, maybe one person is more focused on this aspect of the gospel and, and you see it as like, no, this is the primary call of the gospel. Like we have to save, I'm saving souls and you're sitting here talking about, you know, um, making sure that the trash is put away or whatever it is, you know, and, uh, and there's that tension that a lot of times you even feel isolated for like good reasons, you know. Um, yeah. So vision is a thing that sometimes isolates. Sure. You know, and diving a little bit more into like what we see as isolation and loneliness, the, you know, we often, you know, work at a different time than our peers. Um, when I started out in youth ministry, I was straight out of college and a lot of my work time was nights and weekends. And where my friends were going out and doing their own things together, building relationships with each other, I was doing, I was working, I was doing youth ministry at that time. And so I felt like isolated from my friends in that way because of our opposite work times. Yeah. My office in a parish that I worked at was right next to the youth room. It was an amazing youth room and everything. Um, but it was a good 50 yards from the next human soul. Um, uh-huh. that work there. And so, like, not only different work times, but even different workspaces um, led to me being by myself during the uh, 80% of ministry that isn't in front of people, you know, all the logistics and things that make ministry happen. 
It was uh, it was it was very isolated, very very lonely. Yeah, and you were talking earlier about people not understanding what it is you do and may misunderstand the vision. You know, on the on the same sort of thing is you you hope that everybody that's at the parish understands the mission of the church. You know, understands what ministry is, and you may be the only mission ministry minded person on staff. You know, other than the the pastor. So I was thinking about this. You know, back when I first started in youth ministry in two thousand one, I like. I think I was the only person who was running a ministry, if you will, because um, it was different than the DRE. Like the DRE, it's it's a ministry, and, and religious education is absolutely a ministry, but the way that you're imparting knowledge onto the kids is totally different. Like there's a accompaniment that comes with youth ministry that's different than what you do with, you know, elementary age kiddos. Um, and so those that work in RCIA, those who work in adult formation, they uh, like often have the same sort of mindset, but that there, there are so few of those parishes that actually have that role in their parish. Now, Chris, your parish is different because you have, you're, you're in a much bigger parish than that to where you have yeah. more roles, mm-hmm. you know, but many youth ministers are in parishes where they may be the only one who's the ministry minded person on staff. And that can be isolating. Yeah, and and I think the distinction would be to talk about uh, the difference between maybe classroom-style catechesis and outreach evangelization. You know what I mean? You might be the only yeah, person yeah. on your staff that uh, that that's, uh, sees it as one of your essential job duties to go out to a high school football game and sit in the stands, you know, um, yep. whereas, uh, you know, someone who deals with the, the fourth graders or something like that, their, their mission field might be actually just taking phone calls of parents who are like, hey, I'm struggling to get my kid here or just trying to sell people on the idea that I know you can get them to class, but you need to also get them to mass, you know, and it's more towards yep. towards parents as opposed to, um, I think, youth ministry in particular is towards parents, towards teens, towards communities and, and whatnot, so... So to continue on that thought, like a lot of times minister, youth ministers or ministers will get blasted for, for doing fun stuff all the time. Um, that, oh, all y'all do is fun and games all the time. And it's like, well, we, we, we start with that. We use that because that's the, the beginning, you know, often of a relationship that's building the trust that we can then, you know, expand off of and take them deeper, you know, further down. And what they want to see, for some reason, they, they, they want to see, you know, them sitting down and reading the catechism, you know, and maybe it's, that's a little extreme that may be not exactly what they want to see, but when they see fun and games, they, uh, they, they see that as dumbing down the faith or, or too weak, but we have to provide on ramps for people at different levels. And again, this is all about isolation. When people don't understand the vision, like you said, Chris, with ministry, often we can feel isolated, like nobody gets me, nobody gets what I'm trying to do here. And I think when we're seeking to earn the right to be heard through pizza parties and and, and different things uh, that people kind of gawk at in youth ministry and kind of shun, I think we also forget that we need to earn the right to be heard among staff members as well, you know, And, and sometimes that's a difficult thing because at least in my first five years in youth ministry, I was seen as the kid at the big table, you know, oh, you're just the one that does the fun thing. And I was a younger person then, not much uh, less mature. I'm still about the same maturity level, but uh, (laughs) but I I was younger. You look older. Yeah, thanks. I look older. Um, I can grow facial hair now. So, Um, But no, I think that, that we forget that we have to earn the right to be heard among our peers and a lot of times youth ministry in particular um, because of kind of youth culture and, and things like that 
they're seen as kind of like, oh, that's just the the fun thing that doesn't take itself too seriously. When uh, when really we're doing things intentionally to earn the right to be heard, to accompany, and then to go ahead and make the case for Christ. Yeah, and being able to share, like you, we're still talking about the vision of youth ministry, but you know how there are some events, there are some things in our vision that are the top of the funnel that are supposed to get as many people, you know, in the door as possible. And then we go deeper, you know, as we go further down the funnel, as we, as we take them deeper, there are less and less kids that will go deep. And so we have different events for each one of those things. Yeah. So why, why do we feel this way? You know, I don't want us to sit here and have a, a victimhood mentality of like, oh, it's all their fault because they don't understand and different things like that. And there is, there's a number of different factors. But I think um, one of the reasons why we feel this way is sometimes we're like, I have an understanding of comprehensive youth ministry in a way that my coworkers or even my boss doesn't necessarily have. And actually, I've had priests tell me, hey, we hire youth ministers because we don't understand youth in the same way. We need that expertise in our parish. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't know a single pastor that wants any of their employees to feel isolated, alone, or unsupported, you know? And so yeah. sometimes it's pride. Like, I'll do it myself. I don't need the help. They wouldn't understand anyways. I know what's right for my ministry. And then all of a sudden, isolation sets in. Yeah, we create that space for isolation because we're so prideful. We're so arrogant, you know, often. And even if we don't admit it, we, we know better than you guys do. You know, we know how to reach these kids better than you do. And it'll create that space of isolation. And we've done it ourselves. Like we created it ourselves. Right. To like go a little further on that, you know, sometimes we don't know ourselves. Like I I look back at, you know, Matt 17 years ago, I had no idea, you know, what kind of underlying issues I had, you know, as a young man, you know, and, and like whether it's a father wound or, or some other kind of wound that we may have from our childhood or growing up. You know, we, we need to pay attention to that. We need to learn who we are so that we can understand why we do the certain things we do. Like, are we, you know, isolating ourselves because we feel like we need to prove ourselves to our dad, you know, or we need to prove that we can do it to, to compensate for that wound. Yeah. And it, it's complicated because it compounds on itself because we want to prove that we can do it on our own. Yep. You know what I mean? When in fact, the beautiful thing, and this is going to sound weird, but the beautiful thing about sin is that we can't conquer it on our own. It shows us our dependence on God. And yet we want to hide from God because the the shame that's associated with sin and things like that. And it's the same in ministry. We want to be like, see, I brought all these souls to you, Jesus. He's like, yeah. no, <laughs> sorry, yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's cute. You think you did that. Yeah. I did that, by the way. <laughs> one, of, one of my prayers that I often pray is that God will work through me and that God will work in spite of me. And uh, and that, that type of humble humble pie, that slice of humble pie sometimes will... Uh, kind of break down the barriers to recognize that, you know what, God's going to probably work through through this person here or in spite of this person here. God's going to work, you know, and that's yeah. a beautiful thing. Another piece is uh, <clears throat> is kind of fear. I think sometimes we isolate ourselves out of fear. What if we went up to, say, a neighboring youth minister and said, hey, I'm feeling, I'm feeling isolated. I'm feeling, I, I struggle. I'm, you know, or even, hey, what do you guys do for this? How do you guys reach to teens in this area? And and then the response would be, what? You don't know how to reach teens in that area? <laughs> like, what's wrong yep. with you? There's a constant fear of rejection. And if it all feels like you are you got your little lunch tray at middle school <laughs> and you're just trying to find a table. And yeah. it's sometimes just easier to sit by yourself because then they won't know that you're actually unfit for the ministry that you're in. And I think in all honesty, the best minister in the United States 
is still unfit for ministry. The, the, the greatest. Billy Graham just passed away recently, and I would say that he would even admit that he is inadequate to go ahead and be uh, a megaphone for God. But nevertheless, that was the, the hand he got dealt, and so he said yes. He just kept saying yes, you know. Yeah, and it's in that surrender where we actually become fit. You know, like we absolutely cannot do in our own, you know. Um, I, I, every time that, you know, someone passes away or every time something really bad happens in someone's life, you hear people say, oh, oh, you know, God won't give you anything you can't handle. And I think that's BS. Like, it, like everything in life is something we can't handle. Um, that's why he died on the cross. I mean, we can't handle this alone. Yeah. And so when we submit ourselves to that truth that I am unfit, but you know what? I can do all things through him. And he's going to like help me through this. He's going to make me fit, you know, and we're none of us are going to be perfect. And so like another, like on this fear is to, you know, to, if you went to talk to your pastor, you know, and, and you said, Hey, you know, I really would like to go to this, this particular conference because I'm weak in this area. Yeah. You know, is there some fear there that, that your pastor will think that you're unfit for ministry? And so you don't ask for help. Um, which again isolates you, um, and I think that that fear can play a, a role. You know, just with other youth ministers in the area, it can play a fear like a role with our core team. Like we don't want our core team, those that we're leading, to see that we have faults. Um, because if we have faults, then they're not going to follow us. Right. And so then what we do is we go ahead and we stand up in front of everyone when inside we're hollow and we look like the Pharisees. Yep. Not to anyone else, but just to ourselves. We see ourselves as that hollowed out tomb. Like I've talked about Jesus, but I've not talked to Jesus or talked with Jesus in such a long time. And we stand up there in front of people who love us, who care about us, who want us to succeed. And we are, un- are and we are afraid to be vulnerable to let them know that we're actually struggling in our faith. And yep. that's an, that's an authentic witness. And yet, no one talks about this, Matt. Yep, like it's, no. it's, it's yeah. an epidemic of how hard it is. And then we just have ministers that burn out every two years, these programs that get set back every couple of years because they're transitioning minister after minister after minister. And uh, and maybe this topic, maybe we chose it because I needed to hear someone say it, even if it was my own voice. Yep. But it's a, it's a real thing in ministry that people are feeling isolated, alone, and uh, and that's not what God desires. No, it's you know? not. So, um, so... There's no perfect solution, and we have some imperfect ones. Um, what are some of the imperfect ones that, that you can think of? Well, one of the ones that I think that a, a lot of youth ministers fall into inadvertently, especially when they're young, and again, I know that I did it, was, you know, trying to be the, the youth's friend, you know, more than their leader. Um, seeing the teens as our peers and using those relationships to help us not feel so isolated or alone. And when you're straight out of college, you know, you're a lot closer to their age. So it's a lot easier to, to see them as your peers. But this is, I mean, that's a dangerous trap to fall into. Um, like for multiple reasons in safe environment, one of them, you know, but the, uh, the fact that they, you were supposed to be leading them is, is one of the biggest things. And that relationship, you don't want to like overstep the bounds of what you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be with those kids. Well, and it's a double-edged sword because, uh, then all of a sudden we're starting to put too much self, too much value in being accepted by the teens. And if you look at Pentecost, you see that right after all the all the, uh, the the descent of the Holy Spirit and all the conversions, what were people saying? They were saying, "Oh, 
the apostles, they've drank too much new wine. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They were saying they were drunk and there's going to be persecution. There's going to be rejection if you're doing ministry that's bold enough, which means that if you're not getting rejected by at least some of the teens, yep. that you're not reaching far enough, you know? And yeah. so, and you can't put that much value in what a 16-year-old thinks of you um, unless yeah. you're a 16-year-old. Like, that's that's it and you're not. Yeah. So. Well, and and it took me a while to learn, and this is a like kind of a different topic. It took me a while to learn how to be a leader with authority and still be respected by the teens. You know, I wasn't their friend, but they respected me and I had relationships like as, you know, every youth minister should, you know, appropriate relationships with the kiddos. But, but I had to also have that authority to be able to say, Hey guys, cut it out. And you can't do that as a friend typically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another another attempted solution is uh, kind of setting yourself apart in regards to it as kind of the only one that's doing things right. Or I don't know. I just see youth ministers in certain areas as competing with each other, especially in towns where there's like two parishes and uh, and they're really competing over the same kids. There's you know there's tons of kids in that town that don't know Jesus, but we're going to fight over the uh, the eight percent of teens that do know Jesus, and we're going to try and get them over to our parish, and then they're going to steal them and take them. You know, stealing teens. You stole some of my teens. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're going to where they can get fed. Celebrate it. If they're going to three different parishes, that's okay. They're yep. just hungry for Jesus. Um, but we don't have that support system sometimes, or uh, sometimes that support system is undermined by that competitive reality. Yeah, and it's weird. Like we uh, we have a, an abundant God, you know, who wants to pour out you know blessings upon us. But very often in ministry, we will begin to see like or have this mentality of scarcity rather than abundance. Like there's not enough kids, you know. You're taking my kids, and it's like first of all, they're not your kids, yeah. You know, and second of all, there's a ton of kids out there that can be reached that need to be reached. Um, there's a, uh, I forget where I heard this, but who warms the sun, a phrase that says, who warms the sun? You know, we are called to be the one who spiritually gives. And, uh, and, and so then at that point, how do you go ahead and turn that the other way around and say, okay, now I need you guys to spiritually feed me, you know? Um, and sometimes that's a, that's a challenge. I think that that is, uh, is, is a threshold that people fear to go ahead and cross. And I, I would challenge you, you know, Jesus, he, he preached to the multitudes, then he had his disciples, and then he had Peter, James, and John. And I can't help but wonder if, um, that inner circle was part of his support system, you yeah. know, and, and finding maybe the one or two people on core team is, is a healthy way. But, but sometimes we, we're hesitant in, in finding that as a solution for accountability and for, for kind of spiritual growth and, and accompaniment. Um, because we're like, well, I'm supposed to be the one that's leading these people, you know? Yeah. But they are, they are there to walk alongside us. The core team is, you know, and again, like we said earlier, there's, there's fear to being vulnerable around them because we're free, afraid that we might lose some of our leadership, um, ability with them. But honestly, the, the, the most, impactful leader is the one who is vulnerable who does you know express this because then they get a chance to express the same vulnerabilities because like whether or not you believe it if you feel it they do too um what you're feeling what you're dealing with in isolation chris and i have been there too we felt it too yeah um and so because we get to like give voice to it it empowers other people to do the same thing so being vulnerable and being honest with your core team, they will become a part of that support structure that you need, you know, to move forward and you will be their support structure as well. So uh, what are some real solutions that we can actually dive into? I think the first one is to actually have the mentality that there's going to be times where you feel lonely in ministry. Like that's just a reality. That way when it's there, you're not like surprised by it. 
but rather that you can expect it, anticipate it, and then when it arrives, you're ready to deal with it because there's some great ways to deal with it. One way that I think Jesus modeled is that he actually took times to withdraw. He isolated himself for short periods of time of prayer to go ahead and make sure that he was connected first to God because I think one of the challenges that leads to isolation is that we pour out more than we've been poured into. And Jesus withdrew before periods of ministry, even into the desert before he started his ministry, so that he could go ahead and pour out more fully. That's a really good point, because one of the things we haven't touched on yet is where we isolate ourselves from God. Um, and what you're talking about is is don't do that. You know, take some time to, you know, become alone in a way and with God. Um, and you're not isolating yourself. You're actually uniting yourself, you know, with him who is going to give you the strength. Um, to move forward. And so that, you know, take a retreat every semester. And, and like one of the things we'll talk about at a, a later segment or a later topic is, you know, you need to have your core team in a place where they can run a night where you're not, where you're not there. So Amen. have them run something and you go on retreat so that you can come back, you know, and be filled, you know, so that you can then pour out more. And that, that all assumes that you've already got a regular prayer life. Every single day you're going to the Lord, you've got a consistent prayer life. And do it even when it feels empty, even when you're tired, even when you feel jesus it out. I don't, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> you know, like I've been talking about God all day. Do I really have to talk to him personally? You know, and, and sometimes you're like, I'm so tired of serving you to even talk to you. And it's like, then stop serving him. Yeah. If you're going to do one thing, talk to, talk yes. to God. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, another thing that, you know, we need to do whenever we come into a place and we feel like there is no community, you need to learn how to build your own community. Um, even if it's not youth ministers, even if it, um, it isn't necessarily other people that are in ministry, you're going to find people. There are going to be people in your parish that you get along with. Um, I would suggest, you know, that you, you build a, a same gender Bible study with people that you meet with weekly, you know, and simply just discuss the gospel for the next week. This is something that I did for with men in the parish that, that I know. I said, Hey guys, I'd like to meet weekly with you guys just to talk about what we're going, what's going on in our life and, you know, to pray about and look over the gospel. And that community that I built there is actually really beautiful. And it helps me to not feel isolated in the midst of all this ministry that I do. Amen to that. Another piece is accountability. Find a friend to journey with, even if it has to be someone from a different denomination, you know, another youth pastor out there or something along those lines. But try and find someone who's also a ministry leader to go ahead and journey with, because it's really neat when that happens, because then you can go ahead and start sharing and journeying together. And then someone's like, whoa, dude, you're putting way too much value in your job. Like, you're a husband, you're a father. Like there's there's things that are bigger fish and don't allow these things to to define you. You should allow, you know, your vocation and, and that you're a child of God, a beloved, to define you first. And sometimes those people will just have, oh yeah, I have a similar perspective, but I'm looking at it a different way because you're getting too into the weeds right now. You need to recognize that the sun is still shining down upon you. Yeah, and something that I, I talk to people often about <clears throat> is that we need to have people that are pouring into us. We need to have people that are kind of, you know, more knowledgeable and mentors to us. We need to have people that we're walking alongside, you know, people that are peers, and we need to have people that we're mentoring. You know, if you look at your life and you see any part of that that's missing, that's an area that you need to focus on. Um, and I, I do that regularly just to see, okay, you know, am I, do I have all of these components going? Because that's what a healthy, you know, disciple needs. Amen. Amen. And uh, last but not least, I would encourage you to have a life outside. Have a life outside of ministry. And yep. uh, 
And for me, when I was younger, now I have a family, you know, but, but when I was just single and, and younger, it was really hard. Um, until a couple of the core team members started becoming like family to me. And we, I'm not even joking. We would get together at like 830 every, every night and be like, has anyone had dinner yet? No. What do you want to do? And so we'd go over to someone's house, we'd cook dinner, and then we'd, uh, connect two Xboxes together and play Halo until midnight. <laughs> go, go sleep for eight hours, go to work and get off work and do it all again. But it was beautiful. And, and to a degree, ministry was kind of the hook that had us all in common, but then the friendship kind of flowed from that commonality. Um, yeah. And it, it, it allowed me to go ahead and not have um, a five night a week because I was getting to the point to where it was like every night I've got nothing else to do. I may as well just be up at the church and doing ministry because yep. that's a that's a good use of my time. Yeah. M- meanwhile, I hadn't gone on a date in like two years and I'm a pretty good looking dude. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> yes, you are, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Thank my you. wife and I, like when I was in ministry, uh, when I first started in youth ministry, um, my wife and I had a passion. It was climbing. Like we loved rock climbing together. And so that was something that we did, you know, like regularly you know, outside and, and like we had our own little community, you know, at the local rock climbing gym that, that knew us and that was a part of us. So like you said, having a life outside of ministry. Yes, absolutely. Good. Good. So Chris, what's on the front burner of your heart? Yeah. So as we kind of close out, um, this kind of piece, I want to, I want to check in with, uh, with you and, and also hear from you, the audience, if, if you can message us and let us know what's on the front burner of your heart right now. But um, God in my life has kind of put on the front burner, and it's been there for some time, Matt. We've talked about this, this idea that uh, that we need to make ourselves the guide in ministry, not the hero in ministry. This goes back to story, Brandon. I think we should probably do a whole episode on this, but uh, sure. it's changed the way that I've thought. You know, a lot of times the Catholic Church... Um, and, and different ministries and things like that set themselves as we're the hero because we can help you get the sacrament of confirmation or we're the hero because we can help you come to know Jesus. Um, but, um, that puts us as the hero, not as the guide. We need to be more like Yoda. We need to be more like Jiminy Cricket, you know, and allow the students that we serve to be the Luke Skywalkers out there and say, my role is to help you encounter God who's going to help you become the best version of yourself, to be greater, to live the adventure of his will is greater than anything you could ever imagine. And it's changed the way that I send emails. It's changing the way that I interact. It's changing the way that I give testimonies, you know yep. what I mean, and talks yep. and things like that. So that that's burning burning bright on the front burner of, uh, of my heart. What about you, Matt? Awesome. What's on the front burner of your heart? Mine is actually like, I, I was trying to think of something more uplifting, but like um, dealing with gossip, you know, I'd, I'd heard recently, you know, that, uh, you know, someone was saying not nice things about, you know, about me or whatever. And so it was like, oh, who oh. was it? Who was it? Tell <laughs> me. I just can't wait to hear, <laughs> you know, and, and so like wrestling with that and like being, okay, God, you know, um, like in that whole litany of humility, you know, of from the fear of calumny deliver me Lord, you know? And so that's like, what's been on the front burner of my heart. Um, it's just been kind of something that's been nagging at me for a bit, but you know, I think God's going to help me grow and he absolutely is going to help me grow through this. Good. Good. Well, one thing we want you guys to do, um, is obviously like, like us subscribe, you know, but we want you to connect with another minister this week. Our challenge to you is to connect with another minister this week. If you're in a place where you're like, I'm not feeling isolated, isolated at all. Things are great then this is even more important. Please reach out to another minister, another ministry leader, because isolation is a real thing. And uh, and people limp along 
feeling so alone in ministry for, I would argue, some for years. You know what I mean? So please, this week, reach out to another minister, um, even if it's just for a coffee or a lunch. I finally had lunch with another minister for the first time in like six months. What's wow. up, Logan? Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was amazing. And, uh, and it just was great to connect. And then the other piece is to pray for a minister out there that feels isolated. Um, and, and help us out. Let's build a community that's, uh, that's changing this problem, this epidemic in ministry. Yeah. Awesome. And if you want to, like, we'd love for you guys to subscribe to the podcast and you can support us on patreon.com slash MLA podcast. So if you want to, uh, if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we got to go together. Great. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week at Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. Okay.